Well, they got it easy today. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'll, I'll, hear about, I'll hear about it later, I'm sure. Amen. Miss Francis, I want you to know these flowers smell so good. Ah, I walked in here and I said, man, it smells kind of stale when I was back there. And I said, the closer I got to the pulpit, the better it smelled. And I said, man, life is good. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, sis. I appreciate you being so faithful to do this. It's so wonderful, especially for me. Uh, in last week's message, you may recall that we established that we all, from time to time, have fantasies of running away from the burdens of life. Uh, we've all, from time to time, have come across the challenges and we try to escape, maybe from our obligations and our responsibilities. Maybe we've even attempted to flee from the presence of the Lord himself. The prophet Jonah began telling of his almost unbelievable story of trying to run away from God. After he had boarded for a, a, um, on a ship heading the opposite direction of where God told him to go, his shipmates learn that he's the cause of all the terrible storms that are against the ship. And they toss him overboard. Then God provides a great fish that swallows Jonah and pukes him up on the beach. Amen? It's a little hard to believe, but many events in the Bible are hard to believe. Amen? Ever heard a donkey talk? Amen? Ever seen someone take five loaves of bread and two fish and feed nearly 20,000 people with it? Ever heard of the blind seeing, the lame walking, and the deaf hearing just because a special someone said so? Perhaps the most spectacular event in the whole Bible is when a man professing to be the Savior of the world is killed, placed in a tomb, only to rise out of that grave three days later. His name is Jesus, praise God. And Jesus used Jonah's story and to tell about his resurrection. Jesus believed it, so do we. Amen? The big difference is this. Jonah wound up in the belly of a fish because of his disobedience to God. Jesus wound up in the tomb because of his obedience to his Father. So because our Lord Jesus believed, so do we. But if we're honest, we must admit that there's a little, maybe a lot, of Jonah in every one of us. We don't always get the doing of God's will right every time. Amen? So God, in His mercy and in His grace, gives us second chances and third chances and more and more and more. And friend, that's the real story of Jonah. The real story of Jonah is about second chances. Now what you need to know is that over in Judah to the south, God was talking to another prophet as well. He was talking to the prophet Isaiah, and he said, God said to Isaiah, Whom shall I send to proclaim my word? And Isaiah raised his hand, and he said, Here am I, send me. But meanwhile, the first time God asked Jonah to go to Nineveh and pro proclaim his word, he said, here am I, send somebody else. Ever been there before? Amen. 
Sadly, that's the part of Jonah's autobiography that gets the most press. Are you like Isaiah? Or are you like Jonah the first time around? If you're like me, if you're like most Christians that need a second chance, you're in luck today. Because Jonah's story is more about second chances than it is about God's discipline. And that's good to know. In fact, did you know that God providing a whale for Jonah in a storm-tossed sea is actually part of God's second chance? Think about this. If God only wanted to judge Jonah for his disobedience, would he not have just let him drown in the sea? But what does God do? God sends a great fish. God sends a great fish, and he swallows him up and spits him out on the beach for his second chance. So the whale wasn't about judgment. The great fish was about salvation. God didn't want to curse Jonah. He wanted to bless Jonah. He, didn't want, he wanted to bless Jonah by providing him with another opportunity to join God in his work and perhaps the most evil and wicked people on the earth at the time. He wanted to bless Jonah by giving him an opportunity to change his mind, to change his heart, to change his spirit. For you see, friend, your yesterdays don't always have to determine your tomorrows. Your yesterdays don't always have to determine your tomorrows. You, friend, can change too. You, friend, can get a second chance as well. God wants to bless you, and he wants to make you a blessing. But there's this big obstacle that we all have in our path. This big obstacle is a negative spirit. Just like Jonah, God can't bless you until your spirit changes from negative to positive. We need to develop a positive spirit. Now, when I speak of a negative spirit, I'm not talking about being possessed or being evil or wicked. I'm talking about something that lurks inside of every single one of us. I'm talking about a virus every one of us carry. It's the virus of negativity. The virus of negativity is the human tendency to always think the worst. Ever met somebody like that before? They always think the worst? It means that they're constantly discouraged. They can't ever get up. They're constantly discouraged. That's virus of negativity. You always see them constantly depressed. They never think things are going to turn out to the right. A virus that we have is the inclination to believe that other people will never love us. That virus of negativity is to constantly be filled with worry, to harbor bitter feelings in our heart towards somebody else, or to habitually talk pessimistically. Ever met somebody like that? Boy, it'll never come out of their mouth unless it's a pessimistic word. That virus 
of negativity can cause us to believe that we'll never overcome the bad things in our life and we'll never overcome the things that have been done bad to us. So we might as well give up, throw in the towel, and just live in the pit of despair. But i got good news today. I've got good news for you. Because although we are carriers of this virus of negativity, that virus can be treated. That virus can be treated. We don't have to let the natural tendency to be negative take charge in our life. Because of God's love, you and I have a second chance. We have another opportunity to develop a positive spirit. Now, Jonah sinned because he was self-absorbed. He sinned because he was self-centered. It was all about him. It was all about what he wanted. He wanted to exert his will over God's will. He was more concerned about his own comfort than he was with the Assyrians coming to know the Lord. It was all about self. And friend, I got to tell you, that as long as we remain self-centered, negativity will overwhelm you because you're not living like you were designed to live. You were designed to live God-centered, not self-centered. And if you don't live God-centered, negativity will overwhelm you. Did you know that basically that's what sin is? It's putting yourself in the driver's seat. That's what sin is, putting yourself in God's place. Boy, Jonah sorely needed to develop a positive spirit. But God wants to give you a second chance too. He wants to give you a second chance so that you can see that your negativity is blinding you and binding you and hindering God from doing his work in you and through you. A negative spirit, friend, can wreak havoc in your relationships. It can wreak havoc in your finances. And more importantly than anything, negativity can ruin your walk with God. Friend, even if a negative spirit has controlled you in the past, maybe it's messed things up like it always does, you don't have to keep letting negativity call the shots in your life. You can develop a positive spirit. So God's got this positive message for you this morning. You can develop a positive spirit. And Jonah's story in chapter 3 gives us three essentials that we need in order to do this. Number one, we need to develop a positive spirit toward God by obeying Him. By obeying Him. Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. I'm re reading today out of the New Living Translation. So you can just walk along with me. In verse 1, the word says, Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Is that a blessing or what? He gave him a second chance. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given to you. Did you notice that, that term, second time? Second chance? That's the old underlying theme of the book of Jonah. God comes to us a second time. 
He constantly wants us in a relationship with him, in fellowship with, with him. And I'm so thankful that he does, that he never gave up on me. I want to tell you today, he's come to you this morning to give you a second chance. He's come to you again a second time to give you another opportunity to walk even care, more carefully with him. So you listen as we share. First, to develop a positive spirit, the first thing we should do is see that obedience to God is a good thing. How often do we look on obedience to God as something that's negative? But it's not. It's good. It's a good thing to be obedient to God. And God said to Jonah, get up and go, boy. Get up and go and deliver this message I've given you. Do as I have instructed you. That's the greatest thing that you can do in your life. The greatest thing you can do to develop a positive spirit is do what God told you to do. Do what God told you to do. See that obedience is number one in your book. Follow God's instructions. Now, I know what you're thinking. Oh, he's talking to the person next to me. Right? He's talking to her. But I ain't. I'm talking to you. Every single one of us here have the necessity to follow more closely in obedience to God. And every person, friend, is born with a sinful nature. And that sinful nature goes against God. And if you let it, it will absolutely control your thinking. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 7, the Word of God says, when people's thinking is controlled by the sinful self, they are against God because they refuse to obey God's law and they always will. Every one of us has got this sinful self within us. And that sinful self makes a habit of taking God for granted. How many people here today, at one point or another, have taken God for granted? You better get your hands up. We've all done it. And when we do it, it's because of the sinful self within us. The sinful self also doubts God. How many people here have doubted God at one time or another? You better raise your hand. The sinful self wants to see how far it can go ignoring God's direction. How many people here have done that? Come on. The good news is this. You don't let it have to control your thinking. The sinful self does not have to control your thinking. Listen to Romans 8, 6. The word says that if people's thinking is controlled by the sinful self, then it's death. It means death. But if they're thinking it's controlled by the Spirit, then there is life and peace. But you've got to let God control your thinking in order to develop this positive spirit. Now, in the story of Jonah, the first time God called him to go, Jonah's sinful self took control, took control of his thinking and of his attitude. But the second time, he did it right. But even though he did it right, God still needed to adjust Jonah's thinking and he will to us too because God is constantly working in us he's constantly working on our thinking he's constantly working on our attitude he's constantly working on our spirit constantly working in us to develop that positive spirit that only comes from him he's constantly working in us 
So how can we get the Spirit of God to control our thinking rather than allowing our sinful selves with all that negativity to control our thinking? Well, friend, there's really only one way. And I want you to go to Galatians chapter 5 with me. Galatians chapter 5. I don't hear no no pages turning. There we go. Galatians chapter 5. Here's the way to let the Spirit of God control your thinking rather than that negative, sinful self. Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16. The Bible says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us directions and to our desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under the obligations of the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality. Impurity. Now, when I first read impurity, I, I thought it said immaturity. Would you agree that immaturity is also from the sinful self? So we'll say immaturity and impurity, amen? Lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed their own selfish passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us also follow, say follow. Let us also follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Wow. What's the point? Well, to rid yourself of the negative spirit, you've got to be led by God's Holy Spirit. He must rule your life. God must rule your life, not you, not your ego, not your self-will, not your wisdom, not your skills, not your emotions, not your material possessions, not your puny successes. God must rule your life. He must lead your life. The Spirit of God must be in charge of every aspect of your life if you're going to develop a positive spirit. So, you must decide. You must decide. Will you live in the kingdom of God? Or will you live in the kingdom of self? Will you conform your will to God's will? You must decide. You must decide whether you're going to be an achiever or a believer. Amen? Will you place your faith in what you can do? Or what God can do?
if the kingdom of God is your desire, if following the Holy Spirit is your desire, then you got to do what the Word of God says, and you got to do what the Spirit of God says, even when you don't understand why. That's why uh, Proverbs 3, 5 is so important to me, that I must trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not on my own understanding, but in all my ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct my path. Friend, you need it, and God wants it. You need a positive spirit, and God wants you to have a positive spirit so that you be effective in doing His work, His way for His glory. Friend, obedience is not the boogeyman. Obedience is a good thing. Obedience is a good thing. Let us do what we can do to worship God in spirit and in truth. Let us do what we can do, obeying God in our Bible study. Friend, one of the concerns that I have about our church is that there's so many people that come on Sunday morning and they get bottle fed, amen? But then they don't show up on Sunday night to get the steak. How silly is that? That you would want to get bottle fed in the morning but not come for the main course at night. How much time are you really spending in the Word? How much time are you spending digesting the steak, the steak of the Word? Not only that, but we need to obey Him by serving Him. Every single one of you have a teaching ability. Every single one of us have a serving ability to encourage one another. Every one of us have this ability to help one another. Every one of us have this ability to pray for one another. Are you doing it? That's part of the obedience to God, and it's a good thing. Obedience to God is good for you. But there's a second essential toward, for developing a positive spirit, and that is to develop a positive spirit, we need to do it toward others by being humble. Let's continue in Jonah chapter 3. In verse 3, this time Jonah obeyed. Praise the Lord. This time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh. He went to Nineveh. And it was a city so large that it took three days to see it all. On the day that Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds. Listen to what he was telling them. Forty days from now and this city, this great city of Nineveh, will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message. And from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. Jonah was obeying, but his spirit still needed some tweaking. His spirit still needed some tweaking. We know this because of what uh, we find in the last chapter of Jonah. Look in uh, Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah. And he became very angry. And so he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That's why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you're a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. Now, before we judge Jonah's spirit too harshly, even as a Christian, and I want you to raise your hand if you have. Have you ever said a bitter, hurtful word that you've another time regretted after that? Ever said something you regretted? Raise them high so I can get, get a count here. All right, that's every one of us. Friends, Christians don't do that. 
Christians don't do that, do they? Christians don't say bitter things. They don't say resentful things. They don't say hurtful things. Maybe your spirit needs tweaking too, amen? I think God's constantly doing that for us, constantly tweaking our spirit. But he's doing that this morning too. He wants us to develop a positive spirit. See, Jonah was dead wrong, but he wasn't alone because we've all been guilty of that kind of thinking and we've all been guilty of that kind of talking before. But Jonah was concerned that he would appear foolish if nothing he predicted came true. He was worried about how he would be looked upon. We all want other people to love us. We all want people to respect our opinion. And there's really nothing wrong with that except when your foolish pride overcomes the will of God. When your foolish pride blinds you to God's perfect will, then you got a problem. Now Jonah was very prejudiced against the people at Nineveh. Jonah was very prejudiced against the people up at the beer joint. Follow? He was very prejudiced against those people that get drunk every weekend. And he cared more about his standing as a Christian than he did about the salvation of those poor lost people. Are we ever guilty of that? Are we ever guilty of that? You better believe we are. Would we ever be, rather be right than happy? Ever right, be right rather than have peaceful fellowship with sinners like that up there? You know, marriages often fail because of pride. Did you know that? You're going to see some of that tonight on Fireproof. Marriages fail because of pride. Nobody wants to humble themselves and say, I'm sorry. Nobody wants to humble themselves and say, oh my goodness, I, I, I'm, I'm so sorry about that. I was wrong. Please forgive me. We're afraid of appearing weak, but I got news for you. We're all weak, and if it weren't for the breath of God, every single one of us would be six feet under. We're all weak. Church families often fail because of pride. Even if you disagree with a brother or sister in Christ, you should never allow a negative spirit to persist in your mind or your heart. Just because you think differently does not give you the right to harbor a bitter spirit against a brother or sister in Christ. Listen to what Paul wrote to the Romans in Romans 14, verse 10. He said, so why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the scriptures say, Surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me, every tongue will confess and give praise to God. Yes, each one of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. Friend, here's the judgment that the scriptures teach. You ready for this? This is the way that you're supposed to judge according to the scriptures. The judgment that the Bible teaches is self-judgment. You hear that? The only judgment you're allowed to do is judgment on yourself. Self-judgment. Each one of us needs to look into our own heart, needs to look into our own minds, keep a check on our own motives, on our own pride, with our own lust, our own envy, our own greed. Friend, that'll keep us busy till Jesus comes. Amen? Amen? Maybe it's just me. But do you remember what Jesus taught 
about finding fault? He said in Matthew chapter 7, And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you got a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, Hey, let me help you with that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own? Hypocrite, Jesus said, youch. First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Friend, God didn't bring us into one another's lives to criticize each other. He brought us together to help each other and to do it in a spirit of humility, not in a spirit that says, I'm going to set him straight. Not to do it in a spirit that says, I'm right, they're wrong, and I'm going to prove it. Rather, in a spirit that says, you know what, I have a lot of faults. I have a lot of faults, so I'm not going to judge somebody else, but I'm going to do my best to help my brother or sister. So free yourself from that negative spirit and start developing a positive spirit, especially toward others, saying, I'm not going to see how I can criticize other people. Instead, I'm going to find a way I can work with them in humility. Develop a positive spirit toward God by obeying Him. Develop a positive spirit toward others by being humble. And thirdly, develop a positive spirit toward yourself by being honest. Specifically, by being honest about your sins. Back to Jonah chapter 3, verse 6. Listen to what the king of Nineveh did. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne, took off his royal robes, he dressed himself in burlap, sat on a heap of ashes. Then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even animals from your herds and flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning. Everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps yet even God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind. God changed his mind and he did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. How awesome is that? That God spared this huge city of Nineveh that was so wicked, so evil, so rebellious. And they turned from their sin, they turned from their wicked ways, and God spared them. He changed his mind and did not destroy them. How awesome is that? They believed. They turned away from evil, and they avoided destruction. Think of it. The folks up at the beer joint, they stopped going. They had to close the doors because no, nobody would go. They changed their ways and they believed in the Lord Jesus. And they avoided destruction. Was Jonah happy about this decision? Was he overjoyed? That they had been spared? Was he overjoyed that they believed and turned from their wicked ways and avoided destruction? No. Verse chapter 4 said, This change of plans greatly upset Jonah. And he became angry. 
I need some help with this. Why was Jonah angry about God being so merciful to those people? Can somebody help me out? I ain't kidding. He hated him, okay. Made him look bad. Because he was pronouncing judgment. He said that, ju that Nineveh is going to be destroyed and now they're not. Why, why else? Made him look like a liar. Okay. Made it. That's a big one right there, isn't it, brother? How many people have you seen, been seen in your life living evil? And you say to yourself, they're going to get what comes to them. It's coming. That's the Jonah attitude. Lord, whatever you do, don't give mercy to them. They got what's coming to them. No, he wasn't overjoyed by God's merciful decision. This king, this king of Nineveh, actually had more of a positive spirit than the prophet Jonah did. The king of Nineveh viewed God as merciful and forgiving. He looked upon himself in the right way. When he heard God's message, he admitted that it was true. God's message was for real. And he owned up to his sin. He owned up to the sins of the people in his kingdom. And he didn't say, well, compared to that other king, I ain't so bad. You ever done that before in your mind? At least I don't do that. At least I don't go up to the beer joint. I don't deserve punishment because I, at least I don't do that. Come on. Let's, let us be careful about how righteous we think we are. He didn't say, compared to other kings, I'm not so bad. He didn't say, well, this preacher Jonah, maybe he don't know that this sin thing is going too far. The king didn't try to excuse his sin. He didn't try to explain away his actions. He didn't try to ignore his responsibility. He stopped, turned away from his wickedness, and led his people to do the same. He believed. The king of Nineveh did what you and I need to do in order to develop a positive spirit. And that's that we all need to be honest about our own sin. 1 John 1.8 says, If we say we have no sin, that is, we refuse to admit that we're sinners, then we delude and lead ourselves astray. And the truth is not in us. However, if we freely admit that we have sinned and we confess our sins to God, He is faithful and just and He promises to forgive our sins and continuously cleanses us from all unrighteousness. If we say, claiming that we've not sinned, we contradict God's word and we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Friend, to develop a positive spirit, you've got to be honest about yourself first. We've all got those closet sins that we need to get rid of, those sins that we need to confess, those sins that we need to be cleansed of. And God says it happens through confession and closeness with him. I want to tell you that God wants to bless you. And He wants to make you a blessing. 
But friend, he can't until you develop a positive spirit toward God by obeying him. He can't do it till you develop a positive spirit toward others by being humble. He can't do it until you develop a positive spirit toward yourself by being honest about your own sin. You know, that's the first step to being saved, is recognize that we have a sin problem. We have to realize that we are sinners. In fact, Jesus speaks to this uh, when he speaks about um, about the story about Jonah. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, he said, For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. And then listen to what he said. The people of Nineveh will stand up against this generation on judgment day and condemn it. Why? Because they repented of their sins at the preaching of Jonah. Now, someone greater than Jonah is here. Who is that? Jesus, but you refuse to repent. That's the first step. We need to turn away from our sin. Second, you need to realize that once you turn away from it, there ain't nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do to save yourself from your sins. And third, you need to believe that Jesus Christ died on that cross for your sins. Turn and place your faith in Him in Him alone. Not in what you can do. Because you can either be an achiever or you can be a believer. What will your decision be? Maybe it's time for you to become a believer and to cast out this whole idea of being an achiever. Let's pray. Bless you. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for this day. And I thank you so much that you have given us the means by which we can develop a positive spirit. That we can develop a positive spirit toward you by obeying you. Lord, that we can develop a positive spirit toward others by being humble with one another. And that, Lord, we can develop a positive spirit toward ourselves by being honest about our own sin. Father, I pray if there's a person here who's been living under their own power, thinking that how they live and all the check marks are the ones they did get or didn't get, is that's what's going to get them to heaven. Father, I pray that they know today that they don't get to heaven by being an achiever. Lord, let them know that we go to heaven by being a believer. A believer in your Son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who was crucified, buried, and rose again that third day. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would bless this invitation, that you would bless this decision time, and that, Father, if there's a decision of any kind that needs to be made this morning, Father, I pray that you would quicken the spirit, speak to the heart, and, Lord, encourage the faith in Jesus' name. And the people of God said,